Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Thank you, the voice of Ryan Treasure at Voice America Business. I'm Bonnie D. in the house. Happy to be here. This is our Wednesday show live for I don't know how many years. And I want to do a shout out to the almost 200,000 people around the world who listen to this show on an annual basis. We appreciate that you're interested in our topics. I always say the future of now, and I never remember in my intro whether I did now is to the right or left. So I'm just going to do this, the future of now. There we go. I have a special panel for you. And I will tell you that on every show I do, my guests and I collaborate to bring you a good show. So I decided it was time to do a topic on collaboration. So I asked ChatGPT. Yes, I'm using the original one, the free one. I haven't gotten to GPT-4, and I know there are almost dozens of AI chatbots you can use now. I said, please tell me the definition of collaboration. And here's what it said. I don't know whether it's an it, but we'll call it an it. Collaboration is the process of working together with one or more individuals or groups toward a common goal or objective. Okay, I think we all know that. It involves sharing knowledge, ideas, resources, and responsibilities. It may occur within a team, across departments, between organizations, now we're getting fancy. Collaboration can be informal or formal, structured or unstructured, and may involve different levels of communication, coordination, and cooperation, the three C's of of collaboration, there we go. Successful collaboration, here's what I like the best, requires mutual respect, trust, and open communication. Edward likes that, I can see him nodding, as well as a shared vision and a commitment to achieving a common goal. I like that definition a lot. So as I always do in the beginning of a show, I present some fictional movie character quotes on the topic uh, tangentially, a little loosely. So I found these five quotes and one of them is gonna be a surprise for you. So Albus Dumbledore, played by Michael Gammon, of course, Harry Potter and the Goblet of the Fire 2005 fantasy film said, a true leader doesn't rely on his or her title to lead, they lead by example and inspire others to follow. I'm calling the show The Future of Collaboration and Tech, Heroes versus Teams. That's what we're gonna focus on. I have a quote from Morpheus, played by the wonderful Lawrence Fishburne in the movie, The Matrix, 1999 sci-fi action film. If we work together, we can take down the system. Ooh, that sounds very threatening, doesn't it? Quote number three is from Herman Boone, played by Denzel Washington. Remember the Titans, 2000 biographical sports film. It's the teamwork that makes the dream work. I think we've all heard that in different permutations. Quote number four from Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, played by, of course, Tom Cruise, A Few Good Men, 1992 legal drama. There's no I in team. And the last quote I found interesting, I used to be a ballroom dancer, not much anymore. I found a cartoon that was on uh, two characters named Frank and Ernest in a 1982 LA newspaper The cartoon is by Bob Thaves, T-H-A-V-E-S. And they were looking at a billboard announcing a film festival featuring the wonderful dancer Fred Astaire. And they said in the cartoon, sure, he was great, but don't forget that Ginger Rogers did everything he did 
backwards and in high heels. And if that isn't collaboration, I don't know. So let me tell you who my special guests are, and then we're going to have them introduce themselves. First up, we have Trisha Cerrone. Trisha, wave hello. There you are. There she is. Trisha, kudos and thank you for helping me put together this panel. I appreciate you very much. Then we have Edward J. Van Lunen. Hello, Edward. Wave hello. There you are. Then we have Joe Tankersley. Hello, Joe. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. And we have Sydney Tetro. Hello, Sydney. Wave hello. There she is. For their take on the future of collaboration and tech, heroes versus teams. I don't know what we're going to find out. Bonnie D in the house. Happy to be here. Panel, let's collaborate. I want you each to introduce yourself. Take about three minutes. Tell us a little bit about what you do, what your role is. I see some company branding behind all of you, and I appreciate that. What you do, why you do it, and what's your passion for the topic of collaboration? Trisha, you're up first. I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Go ahead. Okay, great. Well, Bonnie, thank you for um, having me here. And just happy, happy to be with all this panel here. Um, I know them all personally, and they're all amazing in many different ways. So I spent about 11 years at Walt Disney Imagineering, um, and I worked with other companies freelance before that. But Imagineering is a highly collaborative company, but it still has many of the things that people struggled with, um, silos or, you know, the superstars who want to own everything. Um, and then how do you get stuff done? And how do you, you know, we always said if you could trust each other as much at the beginning of the project as you did at the end of the project, it would all go a, a bunch smoother, right? So when I was working there um, with Edward, we we were forced to collaborate and believe me, I didn't want to, like, we were literally sitting on a sofa and I was like going to my leader going <laughs> like that. And, and Edward was sitting next to me. So we couldn't really see my face. Um, and we were both polite. We were both staring at our leader, but anyway, our leaders sort of probably saw like, I need different talents to work together. And it's hard to do that. We were in a matrix organization. We had different direct leaders. Um, and so we had to really figure it out. And I think we were just lucky that um, we sort of trust each other and we sort of gave each other the benefit of the doubt up front, which we realized was like, thankfully we went to our higher self versus our competitor or insecure or this person's going to screw me self, right? And um, we were able to, because of that, like kind of figure out what the plan was. And then we both just took action. Um, but long story short, after we finished uh, like a three-year project together, we had seen things that we had done and learned from each other that worked really well. And when we dissected it, we sort of figured out what worked and then why it worked. And when you have like great collaboration on a team, you see the energy and the passion on the team and you see how they problem solve without you, the leader, having to make them problem solve. And you see how they just get to know each other and have this mutual respect very early in the project. And so witnessing that and experience that and seeing how just our work life changed because of that and like you liked coming into work it wasn't like with that little bit of dread like okay brace yourself before you walk through the door it really was like i can't wait to work with these people and you didn't have the fear of bringing up you know that's weird questions right or ideas so we really saw like uh, better problem solving, more efficient problem solving, and more solutions brought to us, which helps for innovation and so many other things. And, and I also feel like because the team respected each other so much and they became kind of friends working together, they just like, you know, there's been studies done of like people will hang out at their job longer if they have friends to work with there. 
Tricia, that was a wonderful introduction, and I appreciate, I'm going to call that a case study, okay, or a use case, because you lived it. You and Edward lived it, and very interesting, and you introduced something that was not in my chat GPT definition, forced collaboration. Mm. Forced collaboration. You have to, I had a boss once, I was working as a marketing something or other, I don't know, a director, whatever I, whatever they called me, I, they handed out titles, who knew, at a, um, it was a, a a bank, uh, not a not a commercial bank. It was a, um, I can't forget, I can't remember the name, but anyway, it was a bank that backed up all of the savings banks in New York State, and and so we did back office services. And my boss said to me at one point, "You are a one woman show. You're operating at about 125 percent of what we even expected you to do. I want you to slow it down. I want you to go hire eight people to become your team. I want you to open your office door." I want you to bring them up from their level to meet yours, and I want you to work as a team with them and stop being the all-being, all-doing bunny. <laughs> I was shocked, absolutely shocked, because I was the only one doing all of this, and I had to. So it became a very interesting collaboration of, he said, I don't care if you have to bring your production level down from 110 or 120 down to 85%, bring them up to 85 or 90 and work as a team. Shock. And I was angry at first, but then I got it. So I think That's a lot of us have, yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I'd so, love to know your case study of how that turned out someday. <laughs> if I can remember, <laughs> I want to move on. Edward, you have been summoned by Trisha and by me. We would love to hear your story. What is collaboration? Well, give us a little background. I know you worked in Imagineering with Trisha. Give us a little more about what brought you to this point in time where you have a company called Authentic Collaboration. Edward, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having me and this team here. What a fun time we're having already. Um, I am co-CEO of Authentic Collaboration. That was born from the unique work that Trisha and I did at Disney. Authentic Collaboration is a new way to work and lead. And I'm going to leave it there and come back to that. I began my collaboration journey in the Peace Corps. And I was a Peace Corps volunteer in the Republic of Guinea, West Africa. And the first time I stood in front of a classroom, I had one overriding emotion, which was fear. Edward, you're talking. These kids are listening to you. Are you making any sense? If you're not making any sense, you better start real fast. After about three months, I said, I think I found something I'm passionate about. Learning, education, collaboration, working together in an environment that was extremely powerful and unique and wonderful. Now, after that, I was privileged to work at some great companies, not only Disney, and I'll, and I'll share a little bit more, but also Sony, Heineken, and Avon. Avon, as you know, the company for women. Management team, more than 50% uh, women leaders, slightly different leadership. I was um, coached and mentored in that first corporate experience. And from that experience, um, my motto is, when you're advancing yourself, bring someone with you. It's not about you. It's about bringing other people, much like you just shared, Bonnie, and what Trish and I experienced. And uh, that's what's really exciting. Um, and I've tried to live that motto throughout my leadership uh, at those companies and, and other project that I'm in. Now, Trish and I uh, were privileged to work together, but at first it was like, yeah, it was forced. And Trish is the, the business leader who gets talent. I'm the talent guy who gets business. 
So I really needed her as a business leader who gets talent to help me with our three-year you know, knowledge management and learning project at Disney. So I'm glad she had a change of heart. Uh, but the, after that first meeting, um, I think we did something unique. And we asked each other, hey, do you have time for a coffee? <clears throat> Typically what happens after a first meeting, oh God, I got to race to my 10 other back-to-back -back meetings. I don't have time for coffee, but she did. And in that meeting was relationship building, awareness building, level setting. How do you want to communicate? How do you want to be communicated? How, when, where? And that was the start of our strong, authentic collaboration. And we have slightly different leadership styles, complementary in many ways, but we level set. Then when we got to the team and started to build the team, the team always tries to figure out who's the real leader here. Is it Trish? Is it Edward? No, because Trish and I had level set authentically, as she says, beforehand, there wasn't this who's in charge. We're all in charge. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, there's no power play here. And that was the start um, through our project, as Trish described, of how we worked together, how the team worked together, how we grew the team, how we did an incredible project over three years and got sponsors and allies and champions. And people noticed and our team grew. And I think that's what authentic collaboration was born from new way to work and lead, where learning is first, not running off and doing a task list that Trisha and Edward gave them and expects them to come back next week and finish it. Our first meeting was, what do you want to learn? Well, they almost fell off their chairs. No one's ever asked us that in a project team. So that's where, where we are. I'm just grateful that Trish and I uh, are on this journey. Thank you, Trish. Uh, and it's been fun so far. So thanks, Bonnie. Thank you. Very, very interesting. When you said everybody wants to know who's who's the leader, it's like, where's mommy and where's daddy, right? We, yes. we have to have parents. And by the way, the type of bank I worked for was a correspondent bank. It was back office services, a vault and check processing and all that. And it's no longer in business. But anyway, that was a very interesting forced collaboration. Thank you, Edward. Very interesting. It it almost sounds like we're talking about, I don't know what year you two and uh, Trisha, you and Trisha are talking about, but it almost sounds like the beginning of diversity and inclusion. It's take all these people with all these ideas and backgrounds and perspectives and put them together on a team and learn from each other and grow from each other and figure out who can do what to contribute to the greater whole. I like it, that very much. Exactly, Bonnie, because the folks in the cubicle want to do that, want to be asked, do you love your job? How can you love your job more? And I feel humbly, but a little boldly that Trisha and I enabled that, as you said. Yep. I, I loved having the, the half level partitions in the office at this bank because I heard my boss taking credit for something I had worked on for three months and he was telling a customer bank that he was very happy with what he had come up with and I was sitting there on the other side of this wall saying, oh my God. Anyway, so much for collaboration. Yeah, I'll let you take credit for my stuff. Joe Tankersley, you are up next. Joe, can't wait to hear from you. Who are you? What do you do? A little bit about what collaboration means to you. Why are you here? What excites you? Joe, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for including me in this group. Uh, I'm a storyteller and a futurist. Uh, the storytelling part comes from my years at Walt Disney Imagineering, and I'm going to continue the theme. I'm not sure if this is good or bad, but when Trisha and I first met, it was because we were forced to collaborate on a project. Um, it was rocky, I'll say that, um, and, and it wasn't just because I'm stubborn. Uh, I think it had a lot to do with the culture that we lived in. Our boss had told both of us that it was our project. Uh, and we were uh, convinced that we were going to make sure that was true without including the other one. So it was an interesting experience. We we did finally succeed. 
Uh, and the better part was a few years later, Tricia actually asked me to come work with her in her blue sky work in Imagineering. So I guess I didn't offend her too badly. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a big part of collaboration is this question of it, we don't necessarily create an environment for it and we don't necessarily teach people, at least today, what skills are really necessary for that. And when you create an environment, and Imagineering is a great environment, but it was an environment where it was about being a hero. Um, and that makes collaboration particularly difficult. How that relates to what I do today uh, as a futurist, uh, for the last six years, I've been an independent futurist, worked for all sorts of clients, but my real passion is working with community groups, uh, organizations that are really uh, committed to creating a different future. And so I find it really fascinating to try to get a group of people who generally don't know each other, who are all incredibly passionate, who may or may not be qualified to doing what they're doing to figure out to learn how to collaborate. Um, and I think the, the one thing I've learned from that is it is about respect and trust and you can't do it overnight. Um, I have one group that I've worked with for six years now, and it took us that long to finally get to the point where everybody finally trusted everybody. Uh, and I knew, I knew we had when the leader of that group actually started telling me stories about his family for the first time. So it is getting beyond that kind of you know box we like to put ourselves in with work and expanding and learning who the real people are that we're working with. So that for me has been the joy of collaboration and the frustration from, from time to time. Thank you, Joe. Very interesting. Very, very interesting storyteller. We're, we're all about telling stories and we're all telling stories, aren't we? We're all sharing something in our version of that story that engages people and hopefully keeps them listening and watching and wanting to know us better. Thank you, Joe. Looking forward to your predictions a little later in the show. Sydney Tetro, you're up next. Tell us about you and your company, your CEO of Brandless. I see your brand logo there. Sydney, who are you? Why are you here? What does collaboration mean to you? And welcome. Oh, thank you. So happy to be here. You know, I'm listening to everyone. And I'm like, okay, there's this common thread. We all use storytelling in the description of who we are, right? I think of myself around this like storytelling technologist. And then we're all connected to Trish through our Disney days um, in the blue sky, which is kind of a really cool thing that we have these paths that lead back to this common experience, but that have also let us do a number of things. You know, I've really spent my career at this intersection of customer experience and innovation and um, storytelling. You know, I come out of computer science as my undergrad. And so I've spent my entire career thinking about how innovation transforms experiences. And I've had this unique opportunity to both be inside of large companies. Um, you know, we have these common Disney experiences. And then also launch my own venture-backed startups, raise capital. And then today... The CEO of Brandless, where we're bringing together technology and consumer and experience and innovation, we think about it as CPG3, kind of really leading this transformation in consumer products. But I think one of the things as I'm listening to this dialogue that I think is interesting to highlight is so much of what you do when you build companies is ultimately about the people. And your ability to be a leader, I think, has, our, our abilities to be leaders has really changed. I have this barometer as I've built teams over the year. Yeah, my brandless is unique because I've both built the team from scratch, we've had this dramatic growth rate, and we've acquired six companies in the last 18 months. And the combination of those two things means you're bringing together all sorts of interesting people who come from different places and then driving them to work together. We have a couple of philosophies around this or two things I think are really interesting and that this conversation is so relevant. As we bring in partners and we acquire companies, our number one philosophy is bolster, don't break. 
because we believe everyone's doing something amazing if they're creating a growth company. And a lot of times when people do acquisitions, they think about rip and replace, but people are awesome. And if they're building something that's growing, we should lean into that. And I think that's a core philosophy for how you work with people is recognizing the value that they bring and then wanting to amplify that and accelerate it. For me, as someone who's built who's built and is building lots of companies, I also have this baseline, which is, you know, as I've left a company or if I started another one, well, the people that I've worked with want to work with me again. And the reason that's my bar is because if they can answer yes, it means I both valued them. I understood the talent they brought to the table. I gave them the ability to like just completely accelerate whatever it was that was important to them. And I created an environment that optimized for all of those great contributors around the table. And so as I think about what collaboration means and the future of collaboration, I think we have this responsibility when we're bringing people and teams together to be the person that lets everyone do every bring all those talents to the table. It is early parts. It, it is part of the DEI world, right? It is people are extremely talented. They have great ideas. And are you creating environments where those thrive? Because when all of those best ideas come together, we see the best performance of teams. We see the best performance of cultures. And we ultimately can change the world because people, when they bring their best selves together, are the things that drive change. And they, they, they tackle the big problems that we're faced with as countries and communities and families. Thank you very much. Tricia, what a panel you have assembled and engaged for the show today. I am impressed with every single one of you. I want to get to know you better. I want to collaborate with you on other projects. We'll talk after the show now. And thank you for your bios. And I appreciate the stories you shared. That's very, very interesting. Rather than I've had these three roles, and this is what talking about how you've lived with and through and for. And and Sydney, you brought up something interesting. We talked about forced collaboration. You said driven to collaborate. So we have the verb driving collaboration and driven to collaborate. I think we look at it from, from both sides is, is who is driving it, who feels driven, and who feels better for it. Interesting. Heroes versus teams. So let's go to the part of the show where I've asked each of my esteemed guests to please send me a fictional quote from a character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric, whatever you want, that doesn't have the word collaboration in it. Well, who wrote songs about that movie, right? Well, okay. And then I'm going to read a little background. Trisha, you're up first. And Trisha has sent us a quote from Princess Leia, Jedi Master, Rebel Leader. She was secretly a Rebel Alliance leader. She didn't tell anybody. Uh, played by the late and wonderful Carrie Fisher speaking to Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by the wonderful Alec Guinness. Of course, Star Wars 1977 American epic space opera film, Princess Leia pleads for General Kenobi's help in their struggle against the Empire in a holographic message played by R2-D2. I hope I did that okay. And I just wanted you to know that many actresses, Trisha, auditioned for the part of Princess Leia. And Carrie Fisher got it but they told her she had to lose 10 pounds in order to get the role. I don't know if you know that. That's in the Wikipedia backstory. It's set a long time ago in a fictional universe, and maybe good collaboration is set currently or in the future in a fictional universe. We'll go from there. Here's the quote. I watched the hologram. It's just a very short clip. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Oh, my. Trisha, take about two minutes and tell us what this has to do with our theme. Go ahead. I love the quote. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, that hologram was so iconic for its time. And so it was one of my favorite memories in childhood. 
but um, you know, she's calling out for the hero, right? She's she's probably had to collaborate with all the rebels to get where she she is now, and that maybe didn't work, or maybe she wasn't a great collaborator. So she she makes Obi Wan Kenobi this hero who is the only hope, which I, I love that she's almost tempts him to think that he is the hero, but he actually knows collaboration. He's, you know, he's, and I always think of collaboration is about bringing out our higher self and our humanity. So he understands how to collaborate with the force. And he knows he's not the only one who can save, you know, humanity or this whole group. And he actually teaches Luke Skywalker. He has that generosity of spirit that you want in a collaborative leader to teach others how to do it and how to connect. And then Luke saves everyone by collaborating with the force. So that's how, that's how I see it. And collaboration is very much about like understanding those bigger values that we sometimes lose sight of when, again, we walk in the door and it's all about competition. Often, too often, yes, there we go. If only, that's one of my favorite quotes is if only. I don't know which movie it was from, but somebody gave it to me on one of my shows a couple of years ago. Thank you, Tricia Edward J. Van Lunen. I'm looking at your quote. This is a classic from a classic movie from Dorothy Gale, played by the wonderful, very interesting Judy Garland. The Wizard of Oz, of course, 1939, classic fantasy musical film produced by MGM. Interesting, it was supposed to be directed by a gentleman named Victor Fleming, but Gone with the Wind was in trouble and they lured him over talk about collaboration to help rescue Gone with the Wind, which became one of those other iconic, classic, successful films. Uh, what an interesting cast. The fantasy storytelling, the musical score, the mem memorable characters. It was nominated for six Academy Awards. It won Best Original Song for Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I try not to sing. It was MGM's most expensive production. It didn't really make money until they re-released it in 1949 and it only earned $3 million on a $2.7 million budget. So much for success, and we all know the movie. Here is the quote. I love this one, Edward. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Edward, relate this to collaboration, please. Sure. Thank you, Bonnie. And I feel that quote describes, at least for me, the last three or four years. What are we living? What have we lived? And how can we move forward? If you think about it, Toto and Dorothy are a team. They're in a new place and they don't know where they are. They got to figure it out. And I think that kind of describes me and maybe every person here who's been in a new leadership role or professional environment. Gosh, what's going on? You know, Sydney, with your new company, oh, maybe it wasn't exactly what I thought it was, but we're going to go for it and do it. Um, I just love that. Um, same with Trish and I with our, our collaboration. We're not sure, but we've got this noble purpose goal. We're going to go for it. It is sort of like a yellow brick road. And we're going to go for it. And it worked out, which is great. Now, what are the thing? What happens to this team of Toto and, and Dorothy? Well, they go down that road. They go down this path. They're a team, but they need a bigger team. They actually get a bigger team <laughs> in meeting the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow. So they are collaborating because they can't do it by themselves. Mm -hmm. And we all know that those, those three gentlemen, in this case, have different talent and skills and ability, but they all are passionate. When they meet Dodo, Toto and Dorothy, they're passionate. They like them. They want to be on the team. So there's an early you know, example of collaboration, which I find very inspiring uh, because they've got some trials ahead and we all know what the trials are in the movie, but they're together. So this five-person team keeps their journey going and that could describe any sort of corporate team at any management level and how they addressed uh, the challenges and, and how they won. 
Um, so I was inspired by this this quote, and I think we've all found ourselves in environments where we need people. We got to collaborate, and everyone's unique skill contributes to something beautiful and amazing, and five or ten times more powerful than if I'm just by myself. So uh, I was inspired by this 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 movie clip. Thank you, Edward. And the idea of we're not in Kansas anymore. Well, when you're used to being a hero or working on your own and not being a hero, there's a downside to working on your own, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out. Yes. You're not in Kansas. You're not in the solo scape anymore. You're in a team. So that could be the we're not in Kansas. I'm, I'm stretching this a little bit. No, Forgive you're me. right. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's, it requires different skills. And that may be a stretch for someone. And as Joe said, it might take a while. But, yep. you know, the wanting to get there, as uh, Dorothy and Toto did and who they met, they, they pulled it through. They did it. There you go. And they thought their leader was ultimately going to be the wizard who ended up being the little man behind the microphone. Yes, we all know how that worked out. So much for mom and dad. Okay, yep. it, was exactly. the, it was the queen with the clicking the heels that got her back there. Okay, Joe Tankersley, you've sent us a quote from, I mentioned this, this character in one of my opening quotes, Professor Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. I'd like to see that on a business card, played by Richard Harris in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone 2001 fantasy film and the origin of the name Dumbledore. It's dialectical for Bumblebee and J.K. Rowling picked it because of Dumbledore as the character's love of music. She imagined him walking around humming to himself a lot. There we go. So I'm just going to read the quote. Interesting, Joe. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. Oh, Joe, I get chills with that one. Joe, what does this have to do with collaboration? Talk to me. Well, every good team needs a cynic, right, or a curmudgeon, as the case might be. Um, and and I, while I'm a big fan of collaboration, it's not a magic wand. Uh, and one of the things I think we have to be careful about is that teams, particularly teams that have been together for a long time, find it really difficult to challenge whatever their mythology is. Um, you know, you may not be getting the hero rush, you know, within that team by going along with everybody else. But you know, if you stand out, you can find yourself sitting in the corner. Um, and that's just natural with human beings. And so one of the things we have to be very careful about is how do we have respect for those people on the team who are willing to take a risk and say, wait a minute, I'm not sure that I agree. Or wait a minute, I think we need to push someplace different. Otherwise, what happens so often with collaborative teams is you don't make radical change you tend to be too conservative. At least that's been my experience. And that's why I thought the quote was relevant. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Always happy to hear from Dumbledore. <laughs> Just love the name. Anyway, let's move on. Sydney Tetro. Uh, well, you picked a quote from Ted Lasso. Everybody's talking about Ted Lasso. And you know that he and the team talk about collaboration, went to the White House recently and spoke about mental health because that comes, that's a theme that comes in and out of the show. Ted Lasso is back for, I think, season three. And, uh, very, very interesting. Yes. Who leaves the team, who goes to be a hero on another team, who supports it, all kinds of, of interplay in that. So here's the quote, by the way, Ted Lasso played by the wonderful Jason Sudeikis. It's an American sports comedy drama TV series on Apple Plus TV. It started in 2020 and it's ongoing. And it was the first, I have the scene here, but I believe it was the first show, the first first season comedy most nominated in Emmy Award history with 20 nominations. 
interesting. And it won the 2021 Primetime Emmy for Outtime Outstanding Comedy Series. Sudeikis won for Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Television Series Musical or Comedy. Blah, blah, blah. Very interesting award winning. Here's the scene. Ted Lasso is speaking to Jamie Tart, played by Phil Dunster. Jamie, I think that you might be so sure that you're one in a million that sometimes you forget that out there you're just one of 11. And here's the quote Sydney has picked. And if you just figure out some way to turn that me into us, the sky's the limit for you. Oh, Sydney, I get chills with that one for sure. Talk to me. How'd you find this one? Well, let's see two things. So I actually have a son who plays college soccer. So soccer is also like this top thing for me. And we often talk about those unselfish players that make a difference for the team. And so as I was looking for this, I was both looking for and trying to be inspired by quotes of really current genres of things where this, this collaboration theme is feeling through. And in this specific one, you know, soccer, it is a team. There's 11 people on there. And when someone tries to be a hero, most often the team doesn't win because you have to be willing to take the skills and the strength of all of those players and build on them. And when those players step in and when they use their talents and they're unselfish, great things happen. For me, this is a strong correlation between what we see today, which are oftentimes individual contributors who do have this hero mentality. They want the pats on the back. They want to be the person that everyone says, you were so amazing. Everything you did completely transformed the company versus the teams which, and this is actually a big change for leaders too. Individual contributors sometimes have a hard time leading teams, because when you become a leader of a team that can build success, you don't get the same recognition. No one pats you on the back and says, good job leading that team. Like, no one does that. And so that change is really hard for people. And I think that's actually what this quote is at, at the core of this, is how do you move from being that selfish person who needs all of the accolades to the person who can lean on the other people's talents and create success? And when you do that, that's actually how those teams win. When they recognize other people are just as talented. And if I use that skill in that moment, we will win. And, and I think that's just the perfect juxtaposition for things that we're faced with in the world today. As we have now also gone into hybrid work environments, our collaboration skills are required to be better because you can't just see someone in the hall. We are now required to engage very intentionally in who we want to be, how we want to show up and what we want to build. Thank you very much. And I saw a very interesting scene that I actually, I recorded it and I replayed it. It was so interesting. Uh, they're about to make a, a goal, the team, mm -hmm. Ted Lasso's team. And uh, Danny is bragging that he can have the ball go into the goal post, into the goal using his head. And there was just a split second where he, they got to the goal and he leans down and the ball bounces up and goes into the end. And it was, he said, yes, in my head, they said, well, you were just part of the whole success of the whole thing, but he wanted to take credit for playing soccer with his forehead. <laughs> and I replayed it to see that split second and it was brilliant. And if that's not collaboration, Sydney, where they all had a part, somebody's running it down that's the right. field, somebody's passing it, somebody's kicking it, somebody's grabbing it, somebody's running with it and then it bounces off the head. I, I thought that was lovely. Thank you very much for the Ted Lasso quote. It's, it's a very quotable show. Thank you all for doing the work on the quotes. I really appreciate it. Brilliant selections and explanations. Thank you. Let's move on to our predictions. Here's how it's going to work. I'm picking a prediction. Trisha, I've already put your prediction number two in the chat for you. I will read just uh, the first line because there was a lot there. Take two to three minutes maximum. And if anybody wants to comment very briefly, we're good. I want to 
get at least one from each of you to make sure we go around the table. Keep your comments to one minute, please. I'm not going to hit the clock, the stopwatch, but keep it really, really brief. And if you have a comment, just raise one of your nice fingers at me and I will see you. Okay, that's why we keep the screen up on Zoom. So here's what Tricia said. In the next three years, and this is a little bit about what Sydney was talking about, I think. In the next three years, despite new collaboration apps and technologies, remote teams will collaborate less and less because of human nature. That's quite a provocative prediction, Trisha. Go ahead and unpack it for us, please. Yeah, I think there's a lot to it. Um, You know, I'm not against hybrid teams. I just think we need to be together. And I think a little bit of what Sydney just said too is that people can underestimate the value they got by just one word that sparked a great idea. And then how the other person on the team is gonna take this hero's great idea and add to it or show them how they could execute it and everything like that. And sometimes those great ideas can come from a secretary or an admin or from a different team. So if you're just working remotely and the only person you're talking to all day is mostly yourself and you're typing in, right? You're the smartest person in the room most of the day because you're alone. And then you have your team, which as Joe mentioned earlier, you kind of lose sight after a while because you create your own culture. So you're sort of creating your own filter and you miss opportunities, right? So being, and you and you don't just miss the opportunities on your team, you're missing the larger context of your company and the changes that are happening and where your company's going. And just, it just goes from, you know, big, you know, all the way, all the way across there. So that's why I'm really for us being together, right? But I'm also a little bit, what Sydney said too, is we have to bring our higher self there and be intentional about, communicating, intentional about respect, intentional about listening, because there's so many good ideas that are going to inspire people. And we can type into an app, but we're not always there at the same time of day. So if you're not reading and catching up, you don't know what the idea is. And sometimes you just need to walk out and talk to somebody and get fresh with human ideas. There's also something about our just physiology that, um, you know, we give off um, actual energy that's measurable. And so it's healthier for us to be around humans versus just technology. And so we feel better. We, we have that energy that plays off each other. So there's the physiological stuff that's going to also keep us healthier. Thank you very much. Uh, Sydney and then Edward. Go ahead, Sydney, one minute. Well, you're just, make, you're just reminding me, too, that one of the greatest challenges we face, if we're only ever behind technology, is that we can't do the interactions and the subtle things. You actually can't read people. We click off the Zoom and we walk away. And whatever the conflict was or whatever the idea was actually disappears. And I think that's also one of the challenges that we face if we remain like this, is that um, someone's mad, someone's upset, someone hears the one word wrong, and it can completely alter the course and success of a team. And I think we have to figure out ways around this and to bring that human connection back. Thank you. Edward, comment, please. I agree. This has wellness and DEI implications as well, because if I am meeting someone in person, I'm more emotionally satisfied, physically satisfied, mentally satisfied, because I've had a great interaction, whatever that means, the conversation, the brainstorm, whatnot. Also, many people do not have the benefit of having access to Zoom or Teams or technology. So we have to make sure we are meeting with those folks as well and including them. So there's a, an inclusion and aspect to this as well, uh, which is going to be beneficial for everyone. 
Thank you. And I'll tell you all an interesting story. When I started doing business radio for SAP back in 2011, 2012, and built it to dozens of shows, it was all done on the phone. Can you imagine I'm speaking with all of you and I have to say, oh, did Sydney end that sentence? Is she going to start talking again? She took a pause. Is she breathing? Is she moving around? Uh, is she getting a cup of coffee? Should I jump in? Is she done? Oh, is Joe happy about what he said? Is he going to respond to what Edward said? It was all done on the phone. And when Zoom came and I went to Voice America and I said, can I do my shows on Zoom? And they said, yes, we can incorporate that. Send the link to the engineer and he or she will, will come in and engineer the show through Zoom. Okay, instead of the phone, it added the personal aspect. Sydney, I can see you smiling. I can see your logo. Joe, I can see you thinking very intensely. Edward, that smile is just lighting up the world. And Trisha, what can I say? So Zoom gave me the benefit of being able to see, watch my guests think and emote. That was almost a halfway step because I can't be in the same studio with all of you. My guests are from all over the world. So there was a benefit. And to, and to me, in my work, there is a benefit in being able to at least see. You'd be amazed at how much I see in my guests' comfort level, in how much they're engaged, how they move around, if they talk with their hands, whether they're moving, their eye contact, they're looking down at their notes. I see a lot. So I'm still sticking up for the value of remote because remote radio <laughs> as a visual. And now we can do, I, I post the videos live stream. We couldn't do that when we we're on the phone. So there has been a progression of collaborative visualization or visualizing through from radio to what I call, it's kind of a hybrid radio TV show, I, but I digress. Edward, I'm reading your prediction number two. I put it in the chat for you. This is interesting. You say in the future, co-leadership of companies, teams, and projects will be the norm. I'm going to stop there. Take two minutes. Unpack. Anybody wants to comment, just wiggle your little finger. Edward, go ahead. Well, co-leadership is where it's at. Now, Trisha and I have been living it now for three years, and it's an extension of our work at Disney. But um, if you think about co-leadership, maybe difficult at first as we sort through egos and power and roles and talent and skills. But if you're committed to the noble purpose, the vision of the company and the work, and then putting ourselves last, co-leadership works. Why? Because learning is doubled. You know, wellness can be doubled because you're sharing responsibilities. You're complementing each other. You have an immediate instant brainstorm partner on the phone, Sydney, or by Zoom, or <laughs> maybe a text. So I hear you. Um, so it really is, uh, and this job share is maybe an early form of co-leadership. And we all know job sharing has been around for a while. I've worked with a, a couple of uh, leaders who've job shared and they loved it. Uh, and they also have shared some and other benefits that, that they've really enjoyed. Um, so I think it's innovative, it's collaborative. You, it's just really the way to go, um, particularly as maybe projects get more complex and more widespread with teams. You double your access to network and additional team members to an idea. So I'm uh, currently living it, so validating co-leadership, but I feel that it will be a differentiator for companies and teams in the future. Thank you. Any comments on co-leadership? We good? Everybody's minding their piece. Joe, I put a comment, I put your next prediction, uh, number two, into the chat. Joe is gonna introduce something that I'm using as a, I guess a, a sub-theme of 
technology revolution recently, something and AI, the impact of AI chatbots. You know, I introduced my show giving credit to ChatGPT. Well, Joe says in certain industries, the traditional solo hero will be replaced by hybrid heroes. The new team, listen up, will consist of a collaboration between one human and their personal AI. Joe, this is exciting. Talk to me. Go ahead. Well, I don't think it's uh, it's certainly not a universal prediction, but there are certain areas where the advances in AI, things like chat AI, and more recently, uh, MidJourney, which is the visual AI that a lot of people are using, give people the ability to expand their capacity. And, and, and I come to this prediction from a, a personal antidote. I'm a very good co a friend and colleague who is a brilliant designer. He's been designing for 30, 40 years. He's incredibly talented. And he got really into MidJourney when it first came out. And he's able to create things that are amazing. But it's not MidJourney that's doing it. It's not the AI that's doing it. It's, it is truly a partnership. He uses the AI with his knowledge and skill about design, about art, about how you create all of that to actually amplify his ability. So it does change the hero. And I do think there will be some people who will continue to, to want to work like that. Um, you know, the, the challenge, of course, is, is that when word processing was introduced, everybody could be an author. When Photoshop was introduced, all of us could be artists. I'm a terrible artist. I can't do anything with Photoshop, right? When AI was introduced, all of us are going to be able to collaborate with uh, artificial intelligence. Not if we don't have the skills to begin with. So it's just not a universal prediction, but I do think there'll be some interesting things that come out of it. So we'll have heroes, we'll have teams, and, and we'll have hybrid heroes. I like that idea of hybrid heroes. Edward, talk. Joe, I love what you said. In some instances, um, you know, technologies first, but in most instances, humans and leaders and skills are first. So what is it that you're trying to achieve? Why? And then what's the best tool? What's the best approach? But I love that you, it's a partnership in creation um, with the strengths that each brings to the table, um, AI and the leader and the skills. Beautiful. And, and Joe, to your point, you do need to know if you're using something like ChatGPT, you need to know how to ask the right questions to get the answers where you think you want them to take you, right? And sometimes it's hit or miss. By the way, they say that it's not sentient, but a couple of times it has sent me the wrong attribution of movie quotes. Trisha, you'll get a kick out of this. And I have spent 10, 15 minutes searching through entire cast lists of entire movies looking for that actor playing that role didn't exist. And I went back to ChatGPT. I reopened the query and I said that actor was not in that movie or that was not the name. And ChatGPT has apologized to me. I'm sorry I was wrong. I hope I didn't cause you any confusion or inconvenience you. It actually sent me an AI apology, which I find charming. I'm sorry. Trisha, you wanted to comment. Go ahead. Yeah, I have two comments. Um, I think, uh, you know, you see on Instagram right now, there's a lot of these like posts of like, AI has solved cancer within 30 days. And that's awesome, right? Because it, it, it speaks to a little bit of adding to creativity, right? It's only as good as the information that we've given it, basically. Mm -hmm. But it also can give us ideas that we weren't thinking about because we've all trained ourselves to think a certain way. And we almost get narrower and narrower in our thought, especially in an industry. When you go down a path, you can no longer see other possible solutions. So I think it can be useful for opening up our eyes to different possibilities. 
But then the, in terms of the DNI thing too, like in the world of writing, as they're doing AI to like write stories and stuff like that too, the, all the works that they initially took were works that were public domain, which were primarily of a lot of white male European authors. So you're trying to create something new, but really you end up repeating the old. So there's a balance of what we're teaching. We're, we're teaching AI how to think. So um, there's the good and bad of it is all. Yes, somebody well, decided what goes into that database of knowledge that ChatGPT has because it doesn't search the internet. Sydney, go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, bias is real, right? It definitely yep. exists inside of these systems. I think that's one of the greatest challenges we face. Joe, you were talking about this idea of like your personal AI. It also makes me think, you know, you fast forward like 100 years from now, as AI, as AI can then also start to, I think from the personal perspective, become your record of the things that you've done and actually help you gain further insights and creativity. And it's like an interesting way. You made me think about that as you were talking, which I know is totally not how we're using it today. What happens when all of us have our own personal AI chatbot that is the history of who we are and our families? And then that collective thing both helps us through our pathways, through our wellness, through our families, and then through the world as you as you bring those together. Just some interesting things to think about what it, it can become as we teach it better. Thank you, Sydney. And you also, you said collective. Well, what about collecting? It's collecting data on yep. us. And I had to ask my Alexa, I have to say it quietly, she'll talk to me in the other room. <laughs> uh, I had to ask Alexa to repeat something. Oh, something is 99 cents on Amazon. I'm going to put it in your book list and all. Okay, good. Do it. But I didn't hear what it was and what the, who the author was. And I couldn't get it to repeat because I was in the other room, couldn't hear it twice. She said, I can't repeat it anymore. I went into my Amazon Alexa app and there's a full transcript of everything I have said to her and every answer she said to me. It's all there being recorded. I rest my case. Sydney, we have six minutes left to the show and I want to do your prediction number three. We'll wrap with this and then I have a little exercise for all of us. You say technology will provide access to generations of global knowledge to enable teams to solve big problems faster. Talk about collaboration. Sydney, go ahead. Two minutes, please. Yeah, totally. So as I was thinking specifically about this, my mind was taken to last summer, I had an opportunity to go to Africa. And I was teaching young women um, a new skills in order to help them out of poverty. And during one of our journeys there, we were driving down the street, and we saw all of the Maasai warriors. And they were taking all of their cows, and they were moving them, and they were going to get water. And every one of those groups also had a solar panel they were taking with them to charge their cell phone. And in this one moment, it I had this realization that technology is the thing that's connecting the world. And those generations that are coming next, they will forever be changed because of their access and their ability to serve up knowledge that we have never had in real time. So when you think about what the future is, we now have this connectivity. If someone, if those groups and those tribes who are still living off of the land are also now connected. What that means is as we go to solve big problems, we can become more aware. We can gain their insights and their talents, which we have never really have access before. They can feed into the systems that we need because we need that global knowledge to solve the big problems. We need people to feel heard. We need them to be represented. We need them in the collaboration ecosystem. And for me, that was this one moment. I walked by villages with hair salons, with dirt floors that had Instagram logos on them, where you can find out about what they're providing. You can look up Lady Gizzy. All of these young women, when you talk to them, they talk to me about stores they're starting in villages with limited electricity, but connected to the world. 
And that, I believe, is what changes the future. If we can believe and understand and, and, and appreciate the perspective of other people in other environments. Well, think about this. Somebody had to introduce the idea of Instagram to them. Somebody had to yep. be a leader, had to say, hey, there's this really cool thing. And I think I can get in a solar panel. Yeah, Miss Iwario, we'll get you a solar panel. So what? What are you talking about? Oh, that's somebody's voodoo. No, no, it's going to bring a better life. But you want a better life? Sure, I want a better life. Trisha, one minute comment. Go ahead. Yes, I think Sydney hit on something just really kind of epic there. It's solving the big problems. We can all solve problems and come up with great ideas on our own, but it's only when we're really working together that we're going to solve the bigger things that advance us as a civilization. Thank you. I, I, Edward, go ahead. Love this too. And to your original thought uh, and concept here, Bonnie, a future of collaboration teams or heroes, I think it's both. Someone created mm -hmm. Instagram, which was a hero. Yeah. And the team is using it. So I think it's both. Interesting. Something we didn't cover where we're just about out of time. We didn't cover dawned on me. Demographics within a workplace. Collaboration. The older, more veteran, seasoned employee or leader or manager or uh, top of the line talking to the younger newcomers. Who's learning from whom? Who's collaborating with whom? Whose ideas? We didn't. Maybe there's a part two in your future. I might want to say that I've got three minutes left. One sentence on the future of communication, uh, future of collaboration. One sentence. We're almost out of time. Trisha, go. One sentence each. Trisha, one sentence. The future of collaboration is just about being self-aware and working intentionally to get better at it. So don't just think, I'm good at this, good at this. Just keep working intentionally every day. Edward, thank you. Future of collaboration is asking yourself, what do I know? What do I don't know? How do I learn? And I, I learn from others. Thank you, Joe. Uh, collaboration is just the next step on a long journey toward ultimately cooperation. Uh, which has the potential to completely change the way we view what we do in the world uh, to, to basically what Sydney was talking about. Thank you. Sydney, you've been summoned. What's your one sentence? Yeah, you know, I think of the future collaboration as a place where everyone rises together, where we're able to do all the things because the talent in the room is at its max opportunity and we're doing incredible things that make a difference in the world. Thank you. And I go back to my history as a ballroom dancer and ballroom dance teacher when I remember thinking, uh, what is a woman's power? If a woman has a leader, if a man is a leader and the woman, whoever the couple is today might be different, she's being led, but not. And I said this on a radio show many years ago to a friend who was a ballroom dancer I knew. And I said, but the woman is collaborating because she's not only allowing to be led by the man, she is collaborating on the step that he has said he wants to do or let her into. And she's agreeing by doing that and helping the couple move to the next step. So there's almost an acquiescence, but a collab, it's a collaboration. It's a, okay, I'm the leader, you're the follower, you'll do these. Anyway, I'm getting into another topic, but it was fascinating. There is strength in collaborating and not being the leader always. That was my point. I want to thank the four of you. And we've got about, oh, less than a minute. But before, all right, I'm just going to say thank you, Tricia Cerrone. Everybody clap for Tr Tricia. Oh, you brought pleasure. everybody together. <laughs> we'll talk. Don't go away after the show. Edward J. Van Lunen. Thank you. Joe Tankersley, thank you. Sydney Tetro, thank you. Okay, everybody, put up your hand, and we're going to, on the count of three, say no, no, no. Are you ready? you got to work with me on this. Everybody put your finger up. Come on. No, no, no. 
people say the future is already here. And our answer is one, two, three. No, 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 no. The reason is that was yesterday's future. Today's future didn't happen yet, although it did right after my comma before. That was the future, and it's already gone. We're all going to do our best to make it a better one. Bonnie D signing off. Everybody wave goodbye to Lincoln. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.